I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Yeah. Hello. Welcome back. Sorry, we were off last week. So if you've been sort of scrolling through your subscribed podcast looking for seriously, like my mum, my mum texts me like, I seem to have unsubscribed. Can you send it to me somehow? And I was like, no, we just weren't there. Caroline hasn't been very well. Poor Caroline. Yeah, I've had a really nasty stomach bug, which I'm not going to give any more details of because people might be eating while they're listening to this. (laughs) But But send her your get well vibes because you're still a little bit ropey, aren't you? I am. So I apologise if I sound a bit like I'm at the bottom of a well or sad or something. we're also going to be off the week after this podcast comes out because do you know what guys we think we're allowed a holiday every now and then yeah anna's going on holiday i am i'm going to new york city also east hampton and washington Ah. and potentially philadelphia so i would like new york suggestions american listeners of stuff that i should be doing so far i've booked tickets to the crucible and that's it and i'm staying in williamsburg slash bushwick slash greenpoint so suggestions please i've had an email from a listener who says that she wanted to quickly write and say how much she adores the podcast and she's been listening to us for about eight months now and it's brightened up her pop culture repertoire she said she wanted to thank us for introducing detectorists into her life Woo! she says having been nursing a broken heart ah. <laughs> this is good sound effects. I've been looking for the perfect show to eat Pringles in my bed and watch, and this is it. Detectorist has just been acquired by Netflix. Yes, I got an email. Netflix's algorithm knows well what I like. I got an email <laughs> from it telling me that it's now on UK Netflix. And of course, from my sick bed, I immediately logged on and oh, watched brilliant. several episodes and felt better. There's no excuse, any listeners who haven't checked that out now. And this listener also has a request of other listeners. I wanted to ask if you have heard of a show I watched a few times and have subsequently forgotten the name of and can't find it anywhere. This happens to me all the time. All the time. I hate non-Googleable things. Yes, you want to Google who was that guy in that thing, Yeah, you don't know. But you don't know what what the guy was in what thing. So she says, the premise is a mock documentary with a surreal twist where the host is told every week that he has to do something, i.e. divorce his wife, even though he's happily married. And the show follows this process. I remember finding it simply great, but it is a little hard to explain and nearly impossible to Google. So I just thought I'd throw it out there and ask if anyone else had heard of this. So... I can't say I have, but hopefully listeners are better watched and well-versed in what's going on than I am. 
Do you have one of these where you still can't figure out what it was, the thing that you watched? Because I do, and it's been haunting me for, like, years. I'm sure I do, but I can't think what it is right now. What's yours? Mine is a programme. It was on CBBC or CITV when I was growing up. It was really dark for, like, a kid's TV programme, and that's why it sticks out in my mind so much. And they were being stalked by someone who was, like, doing weird shit to their family, including one time they went out to do the shopping, came back, and there was a note on the doorstep saying, I hope you forgot to buy dog food. And they went into their kitchen, and the dog had been murdered. Ah, that's so horrible i know and then the conclusion of this story was that the oldest daughter had a boyfriend so they had to relocate to australia they were english to like hide from this person they were in witness protection it was her boyfriend and she was still sending him postcards so he knew where they were that's horrific or maybe it was her boyfriend's dad i don't remember anyway i really want to know what that program was get on the non-googleable yeah answers to our Come weird questions well, i mean that, what's the point of you if not to just answer our weird whims and bizarre yeah. questions why, why else did we start this podcast <laughs> not to create a human hive mind for our own purposes <laughs> so we've also had an email from indigo who said it's such a pleasure to listen to you chat while i'm on the subway and at work i'm an acting student in new york though i'm from new zealand and I find it quite refreshing to hear such lovely non-American accents saying such funny and thoughtful things. Oh, thanks. Your Thank life you. sounds cool. You're so, yeah, you've moved halfway around the world and you live in New you're York. You're an acting so, student. Ooh. Yeah, you're doing pretty well. That's Selena Dunham TV show in the making. Totally, I would watch that. Flight of the Concords meets girls. <laughs> Indigo also recommends a German film called Look Who's Back, a comedy based on the premise that Hitler has been transported to 2014 Berlin. Mm, bizarre. Bizarre. I'm intrigued by this. I'm going to check this out. It reminds me of one of the worst, I think, episodes of Doctor Who since its oh, you know I reboot. Remember that one, which was called "Let's Kill Hitler." Yeah, it's. I guess at some point you have to do the murdering Hitler episode of Doctor well, it, Who. Well, it is the eternal time travel question, right? Mm-hmm. So they did do it, and it was terrible. While we're going to be off next week, we are also working on an extra special episode for the end of the month because it is the one year anniversary of Seriously. Seriously is a year old. Can you believe it? There will be some like people who've been listening from the beginning who are like, I feel so haggard. I feel so tired. If you are one of those people, we would like to hear from you, by the way. If you've been here <laughs> since the first episode, let us know. Hi, yeah, mum. Got all the way back to us. Do you remember we read Grey by E.R. Yeah, James. I do remember. And we did a One Direction playlist. Which we did. was very hashtag on Brand it was and remains so. So we're working on a special episode to mark our first birthday, and we would like your recommendations for things that you think we should have done in the first year of seriously, but haven't. Yeah, what so, are your like standout things that you thought? Oh, that's a really seriously thing that we didn't do. You can check the archive. We don't want loads of suggestions of stuff that we have actually done. Yeah, so seriouslypod.com if you want to just scroll back through what we've already done or iTunes or whatever. And yeah, we'd like to hear from you. We'll try and watch as many of them as we can in advance and talk about them on the birthday episode and just so you know the wearing of party hats will be obligatory for all listeners we'll be able to tell if you're not wearing a hat we'll know (laughs) the first thing we're going to talk about this week is peaky blinders which is a bbc historical crime drama about the exploits of a family-run gang in birmingham in the early 20th century The first series began just after the First World War, and we've now followed the fortunes of the Shelby family up to 1924, where the third series begins. It stars Killian Murphy, Helen McCrory, and Tom Hardy. Look how far we've come. It's a family united. The Russians have made contact. They are very dangerous people. So are we. For them, family is a weakness. For me, it's my strength. They're being watched. We can reach anyone, anywhere. We should never have got into this, Tom. Yeah, so I watched the first episode of the third series, which is 
currently all on iPlayer. I hadn't seen either of the first two seasons, so I didn't really know what I was getting in for. And my overall thoughts were, wow, this is extremely slick. This is like an American TV show yeah. on like British TV. It seems it's like, high budget. It's and, like Boardwalk Empire or something, isn't it? It's yeah. that kind of level of production, which is, yeah, quite unusual for British television for something to look that obviously expensive. Yeah, and to have such a coherent style. I feel like you could watch five minutes or five seconds even of Peaky Blinders and you'd immediately be like this is Peaky Blinders Mm. it's got a really like core soundtrack of modern rock music so the theme is Nick Cave and there was another Nick Cave song in the episode I was watching and Arctic Monkeys and Radiohead that kind of thing it's got a really clear sound and there's lots of slow-mo shots and everyone is dressed amazing it's quite dark and the the shots are generally quite gloomy almost Mm -hmm. I loved that about it because it was just like immediately both visually and sonically you were like I know what this is and I enjoyed that because it sort of really pulls you along with a program when you can invest in that Mm. I think have you watched previous seasons I have yeah so I didn't actually become aware of it until the Christmas after the first series was on when my dad bought the DVD of the whole first series and we marathoned it in one whole day I think (laughs) I bet a lot of dads like this yeah my dad really likes it yeah the first series is set in 1919 the Shelby boys of which there are three main characters one of them played by Killian Murphy Thomas he's the kind of main guy they've all just come back from the first world war and they've all had variously horrible experiences Mm. as have all of their friends and everyone who they know in and around Birmingham and at that point they're a pretty small time gang they live in a terraced house on a really grimy street by a I think it's an arms factory in Birmingham they run a couple of pubs in the Mm -hmm. local area and they have a few low-key contacts in the police oh and they're bookmakers they're illegal bookmakers out the back of their own house but that's it Mm -hmm. but Thomas Shelby's come back from the war going I'm not fucking around anymore I'm going bigger I'm going home he was a tunneler like in Birdsong and then died under the mud of France for no apparent reason because this is his thing he wins a medal while he's in France you know he's a very good soldier but he comes back completely divorced of any patriotism or any sense of loyalty to his country well that why was quite a common reaction wasn't Mm. it to the first world war just people still having no clue why it happened or what the point of it was So he comes back going, I just don't care anymore. I don't even care if I die. I'm just going to go for it. And so he embarks on this rapid expansion plan that sees them take over other people's businesses and basically grow their empire all the way through the second series up until the point at the beginning of the third series where you watch where he now owns this big house Mm -hmm. and he's a legitimate bookmaker as well as an illegal one. He's got all these shady international deals going on. He's become really big time. Yeah, and there's a thread in this that like... Churchill wants him to do something. Yeah, so the secondary storyline throughout the whole thing has been that Birmingham has what they call in the first series a Fenian problem, in the sense that the struggle for independence in Ireland is being partly played out in England Mm -hmm. with people who are refugees from the political struggle have come to England and so on. And this Northern Irish policeman played by Sam Neill gets sent by Churchill to Birmingham to sort out the Fenian problem. Mm. And he very quickly realises that actually his biggest problem is Thomas Shelby. It's not (laughs) because he's quickly getting so much influence in the police and stuff that Mm -hmm. actually it's really Shelby who's running the town so they have this long running battle and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that ultimately Shelby comes out on top and Churchill gets this grudging respect from him almost at this point Churchill is home secretary Mm -hmm. he's not prime minister that Shelby is a useful evil yeah that he's that eternal figure the kind of noble gangster in the sense that there are some things he won't do Mm -hmm. and therefore he can mostly be trusted to at least act consistently in his own interests if nothing else so that's why Churchill occasionally calls upon him to act as an intermediary for 
for international arms deals and various other stuff. He's got this reluctant establishment link, mm. even if he hates the establishment <laughs> and everything it stands for. And so at the beginning of the episode you watch, we saw Thomas Shelby's wedding. Yeah, so he gets married. I've also seen the second episode via Gogglebox. It's his wedding day, but as you might expect from this gangster, it's quickly becoming overshadowed by, quote, business, quote, I actually found the minutia of this quite difficult to follow with Russians and blah, 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 blah. It's always like that. I generally find with it that you don't really understand what's going on until the final scene of the yeah. final episode. I mean, even then I was a bit like, okay, well, I'll just go along with this then. But I do think the relationships between the characters was well done and interesting, mm. regardless of sort of what else was going on. The like best man loyalty was good, and then like Shelby being convinced his best man was going to fuck everything up. So for that's him. his brother Arthur, who has had all kinds of problems with addiction and rage and things in the past, and as a result, I think Thomas is really worried that he's going to have fuck drunk, everything up, drunk too much whiskey, and ruin his wedding. <laughs> and he's particularly stressed because his new in-laws are all like posh English cavalry officers, mm-hmm. and there's obviously this kind of low-level tension that because the Shelbys are also they have gypsy heritage as well so a lot of their relations are definitely not people that the army officers want to hang Mm, out with mm. yeah so it all comes to a head basically in the final scenes of this episode and it does a thing that is one of my pet hates in tv and movies so this was my downside of peaky blinders where they had like two people fucking and two people having a massive fist fight and two people wrestling over like a gun and then some sort of more abstract scheming quote Mm. marks or like cutting between shots with some like heavy music i always really hate that i just find it such a cliche when you're like oh two people are having sex but two people are going to kill each other and like oh i just it makes hairs on the back of my neck go a bit like oh this is lame i don't like it so that was my downside but then by the end it had come right back up to that really stylish sort of slow-mo walking big music like Mm. enjoyed so a mixed bag but i think the premise as well is just i know i'm three years too late on this but such a great premise love the idea of finding this Birmingham gang and being like we're going to do a TV show about this and we're going to do it in the big American glossy style and we're going to do it on the BBC and make it like a regional British thing as well Yeah, really cool and it's been really cool actually I've seen a little bit of how the response has been not in London like they do the premiere of it in Birmingham and Mm, stuff like that it's it's really cool it's really cool it's quite BBC to do that yeah and you get more of this I think in the first series more than anything but it's very grounded in its place in Mm -hmm. the first series so there's lots of like canal stuff and going out to see their gypsy relatives just outside Birmingham and stuff. And the accents and everything. Mm. It's nice to see like Tom Hardy coming into a production like this and like doing you know. He's introduced in the second series when they expand to London because he plays a Jewish gangster so they expand into North London and he meets them then. What did you think of Aunt Poll, Helen McCrory's character? Yeah, she's a great actress, isn't she? I couldn't quite pin her down. It seems like so her loyalty is to Shelby above everyone and she's just doing everything based on what's best for him. So they're kind of the senior partners in the firm, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. Aunt Poll and Thomas are, well, they're the smartest and they have this kind of intellectual partnership, mm-hmm. whereas everyone else is kind of just there when they need the muscle, yeah. almost. But yeah. they are the ones setting the strategy. She's all always been even back when they were just bookmakers she looked after the money so she was the kind of bookkeeper and so as a result she's always known exactly what's going on and she has this very firm line it's like i don't really care what you do as long
long as I'm not surprised by it. You always have to tell me what you're going to do. Yeah. No, I like her a lot. And it's nice to see a slightly older woman Mm. at the head of a crime syndicate like that. That's pretty cool. And there was a really good storyline in the first series. This is one of my favourite bits of the whole thing. So Grace, who is Thomas's Mm -hmm. now wife, they first met because she was a police informant for the policeman that Churchill sent to Birmingham, Sam Mm -hmm. Neill. She's Irish and just she got work as a barmaid in one of Shelby's pubs and stuff. And they kind of got on and started courting and all the rest of it. And all the time she was like telling his enemy what he was up to. Aunt Paul worked this out much sooner than Thomas did. (laughs) And so they had this kind of low level enmity where Aunt Paul was basically waiting for the opportune moment to expose her. Mm. She was waiting for the moment of greatest advantage. And they had this fantastic standoff in one of the pubs where Aunt Paul just walks in and pulls the hat pin out of her hair arrangement and it's like I know what you are I know what you're doing (laughs) and Grace just pulls a gun out of her hat and is like oh really (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) that's really funny I liked her a lot and she obviously still doesn't quite trust Grace and they have a great scene where that really comes through so yeah a great show all in all and one that I think I'm gonna like binge on iPlayer but I feel sad that I didn't get into it at the beginning because it's yeah it's really cool one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
The next thing we're going to talk about is Mustang. Mustang is the debut feature film from Turkish-French film director Denise Gamze Aguven. Set in a remote Turkish village, it follows five orphan sisters, Lale, Nur, Etche, Selma and Sone, who live under strict rule while members of their family prepare their arranged marriages. I feel like describing the plot of this film isn't necessarily a good summation of what the film is like to watch. I don't know if you agree. I do agree, actually, because it's very much an atmosphere and a sort of mood mm-hmm. more than almost a story. I mean, it is a story in the sense that there's a, a kind of inciting incident at the beginning and then mm-hmm. a resolution of ki- a kind at the end. But a lot of the things that happen, like I'm thinking particularly of the bit where they go to the football match, mm-hmm. it's more about a release of emotion and a sense of temporary freedom than it is because it's really important to the story that they watch football. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's a really good film that gets in the mind of what it's like to be a woman at that age. So Lale is the really the protagonist yeah, of the five sort of sisters. Yeah, you see it through her eyes, don't you? Yeah, and she's the youngest. And so what do we think she is when the film starts? Maybe 11, 12? Yeah. And she is watching her older sisters grow up and you know experiencing things, some things for the first time. It begins with that real sense of injustice, really. So the film opens with Lale's teacher leaving at the end of the school year and she's moving to Istanbul and Lale's not going to see her again. She's really sad. Her and all her sisters and some boys go and play on the beach. They're playing that game where you're like on each other's shoulders and trying to push the other one into the sea. And then when they get home, they are like, absolutely screamed at and beaten by their grandmother who's basically like their primary caregiver because their parents aren't around and for like rubbing their private parts on a boy's neck yeah it's seen as this very sexual act that they were doing yeah from the beginning you get this real sense of like the injustice and Lale goes outside and she starts breaking a chair to pieces and her grandmother's like, what are you doing? And she's like, this dirty chair touched our bum holes. It's a disgrace. She's full of this injustice. So you really move through all these different emotions. But basically in this very rural village, as soon as that incident happens, it's like a catalyst for them getting increasingly less freedom. There are literal bars that go up outside their house and they're not allowed to go out anymore and they're not allowed to go back to school when school starts again. And they're basically from that point trained to become wives and they're taught how to cook and stuff like that but i thought it was really interesting because this film's for like good reasons i think getting loads of comparisons to the virgin suicides yes because they are very similar in terms of plot although culturally very different and i think this is a much better film than the virgin suicides even though i love the virgin suicides the thing that really stands out about this film is that it's all from a female perspective Mm -hmm. whereas the virgin suicides it's a little bit more the boys looking boys looking in yeah Whereas this is all from Lale's point of view. And there are some real concrete like issues at the heart of this film, for want of a better phrase. This is about specific restrictions of freedoms and specific feelings that all teenagers go through. And The Virgin Suicides is a little bit more vague in that mm. sense. And it's just like that sort of dreamlike atmosphere rather than those actual specific emotions and incidents. I thought it was interesting that the director said that she was surprised by those comparisons because she thought she'd made like an escape prison movie. And that was what she was thinking about when she made it. And as the film goes on, it does increasingly become that. And it is very plot driven. And there are lots of little sort of Chekhov's guns in there. Like, so when you see a supermarket delivery guy at the beginning, slowly this relationship between Lale and this basically truck driver builds up throughout the film. You know that he's going to be key when it gets to the end in, in helping them escape and stuff like that. So you get this real sense of that style of movie when you're mm. watching it as well. 
So it's a really weird blend of stuff. It's a weird mix of stuff. It is. And there's also the really dark element of their uncle, um, who has been abusing more than one of yeah, the sisters. Yeah, it's sort of a slow... Um, the uncle, certainly at the beginning, we see him like physically abusing the girls and hitting them and stuff. And it gets darker and darker mm. as it goes on what his relationship to them might be. But it never feels overly heavy-handed, this film. And I also think it's really interesting for its portrayal of the older women. There's some really lovely moments in this film. So, for example, this football match incident. The girls really want to go. Lale especially loves football, really wants to go to a football match. Her uncle is like, have you seen what the men there are like? Absolutely no way. There's no way I would take young women to that game. Then there's a riot at a football match. And as a result, the local authorities or whatever ban men from attending the next football match. So it's going to be a women-only event. The girls are absolutely so excited, but they know they won't be allowed to go. So they like sneak out mm. and go on the school bus that's driving everyone there they get seen on the tv by one of their aunties i love that bit it's yeah. <laughs> so amazing and then there's a sort of voiceover that comes in and out of this film but it's very unintrusive it's it's a bit like in juno where you almost forget that there's a voiceover mm. in it when you get to the end so the auntie sees them on tv and like unplugs the tv from the ceiling and pretends that it's broken and then when they go next door to try and watch it she runs out into the street and starts throwing rocks at like the satellite <laughs> dish or whatever in the local area and like destroys the power for the entire village (laughs) so that no one sees that they're there you get lots of these moments where you really feel that the older women are looking out for them but you also get these horrible moments of internalized misogyny where for example they'll marry off young girls that they think might have had like a sexual experience of any kind even if it's a traumatic one immediately it's like they're spoiled i've got to make sure that they get married off even if it's to someone horrible no matter what the circumstances it's better to be married to someone horrible than not to be married yeah Yeah. exactly and they create problems as much as they try and solve them but you get a sense that they're not morally good or bad it's just a really complicated situation so i thought that was really really well done and it's the same with the older sisters like sometimes they make weird decisions Mm. but you're always so firmly on their side so it's quite nuanced in in that sense it's interesting what you say about the prison break Mm. movie because actually when watching it i did have a moment where i thought it's a little bit like orange is the new black Mm. there is something of that about it in the way that you would assume with orange is the new black that all of the prisoners would be on the same side against the guards and it's Mm -hmm. you know a kind of us versus them situation which it's not at all Mm. i suppose in the loosest possible sense but everyone's got their own agenda everyone's got their own priorities there are different little cliques and partnerships forming and reforming and moving all the time and that's a little bit what i feel mustang is like Mm -hmm. that it's not as simple as to say like the people keeping them in the house are bad and the people being kept in the house are good yeah we obviously have a villain in the uncle yeah but that's as far as it really goes I thought the performances in this were absolutely Mm. incredible. These five girls apparently haven't done much acting before and they were just so brilliant. Lale especially. You know, when you don't even think about the acting because it's so good. It wasn't until afterwards I was like, wow, that performance was amazing because I was so invested and I was so believing. I never once stopped to think, how is this girl doing this performance? It reminded me of Jacob Tremblay in Room actually yeah. the way I stopped because you know when you're watching a younger or a child actor mm-hmm. and the whole time you're thinking wow this child is really good at acting yeah, wow. rather than thinking there. wow this child I'm so interested in you yeah. know you just lose that sense of the intermediary because yeah. the performance is so good that's what this felt like yeah absolutely so I was talking to a friend about this film and she said that there's been a, a bit of controversy in Turkey because people have felt that it's not a very Turkish movie and it's mm. being portrayed as one apparently for example the accents are regionally like miles off oh, really? what they should be 
And also there's an idea that so the director is a Turkish-French director and you could read this film as fairly condemning of Islam because the family are very religious and these are Islamic communities, right? Muslim communities. And there was some question of whether that's partially to do with like a French culture of increased Islamophobia, Mm. whether that comes into play in this film at all. To be honest, these are questions that are so over my understanding, so past my understanding. I don't know anything about Turkey and I don't really know anything about French Islamophobia either. So I wouldn't give my opinion on it either way, but I just thought it was an interesting extra dynamic to the film that I haven't seen talked about that much. Yeah, and I suppose it prompts the question that would a wholly Turkish director working in Turkey make a film like this? Mm, I don't know. And I think as well it's specific to this director's experience because she is drawing stuff on her own life and she... So she was born in Turkey, but grew up mostly in France, then went back to Turkey for a few years and then went back to France again. So those few years were between like 12 and 15 or something. You can understand why that sense of feeling so trapped might have come through in her own particular experience as well. But I do think one of the things that's so great about this film is that that it transcends specificity and it like just becomes this, you know, you can relate to it so easily, even though it's miles away from any experience that I would ever have had. And I think that's just like what makes an amazing film, right? That ability for all people to watch it and just be like wow this is so I don't even know what the word is but it just I can feel the feelings that are going on in this film even though I it's so outside of my own understanding Mm. I think it's still on in cinemas so Mm -hmm. if you can catch it definitely do I think this is one of the best films I've seen all year certainly Mm. loved it So, last episode, I recommended that Anna watch 30 Rock, which is, or rather, which was an NBC sitcom that starred Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin, which ran for seven series from 2006 to 2013. It was Tina Fey's first major writing and acting project after leaving Saturday Night Live, and it's heavily based on her experiences there. Her character, Liz Lemon, is the head writer at a live topical sketch show based in 30 Rockefeller Plaza. So, Anna, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was really funny. It's a weird little show, isn't it? So weird. Very weird little show. I wonder how many episodes of this show do you think someone needs to watch before they can, like, really appreciate it? Three or four? I watched two. And I did like it, but I feel like I hadn't got into the rhythm of it. And I think if I had to order, like, those big American 20-minute sitcom... My order at the moment would be The Office US is my top, I love it, then Parks and Rec, Mm. then 30 Rock. Mm. When we watched Parks and Rec, I liked it a lot more than you did. And with 30 Rock, I was laughing. I liked Alec Baldwin a lot. I think he was the main source of comedy for me. But there were also moments where I'd be a bit like, yeesh, do we laugh at this? I don't know. (laughs) I feel uncomfortable. So it was a mixed bag for me. I could already tell that the the strength of it, I feel like, is probably going to be in that Liz Lemon, Jack Donaghy relationship. And I also really loved her relationship with her best friend, who's 
obviously been on the show with her for a long time. Yes, Jenna. Yeah, Jenna. I loved that relationship too. I thought that was really funny. So I think those three bits for me are probably where the most of the humour comes from. Yeah, I think that's fair. The other bit that develops and becomes, I think, one of the funniest aspects is the Tracy Jordan yeah. character. So for, at the moment, for me, it was so much. And I was like, like, there's a bit where she goes to meet him in a restaurant. She has to put on a nice outfit and stuff. And then she gets there and he's there with like all his black friends. And he's like, I can't eat here. And they go to a fried chicken shop. And I was like, whoa, like... <laughs> what really becomes clear like within the first series but gets very much developed second to fourth I'd say is that Tracy Jordan is a very very smart self so he's a, he's a joke yeah character. well this is what I thought was maybe coming and when it didn't come in the first episode I was like oh what is this I don't get it yeah and obviously I just haven't watched enough to they, get it they develop it quite slowly but you know he's constantly like undermining his image as this kind of oh I'm just the dumb black guy who does the funny Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. star movies you mm-hmm. know and they do this in all kinds of ways, both in the way that he sort of subverts his own stereotypes, but also just in the vocabulary he uses. Um, like one of my favorite lines he ever says is when he's having a bit of a meltdown and he's kind of, I don't know if I should do this or I should do this. And Liz Lemon's trying to be like, okay, Trey, well, let's do it. And he just goes, it's a quandary. It's a quandary. <laughs> it is a quandary. My life's a quandary. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So I should give that the benefit of the doubt and keep going with and, that. Plot and line. he has a kind of interesting relationship with his own background as well he goes back and sort of revisits at various times at one point he writes and stars in a movie about thomas jefferson where he plays all of the characters and makes them all black which i think is probably is this a, hamilton yeah it's like a proto hamilton <laughs> now i think about it really apart funny. from the, the clips you see of jefferson it's terrible but you know yeah. his, his idea is good mm, it is it had legs <laughs> Yeah, so do you have like a favourite episode of 30 Rock that you would recommend to listeners? I have lots of favourite moments. I think probably my favourite whole episode is in the first series and it's called Tracy Does Conan. And it's when... I know where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, so basically Tracy, in order to promote the show, so he's just joined the sketch show as a new Mm -hmm. cast member. He's a big movie star. He's doing TV for the first time. It's a whole thing. He gets booked on the Conan show in order to promote it but i can't remember exactly why but like he his prescription for his meds runs out or something and he starts seeing a small blue skittle shaped man everywhere who he thinks is trying to steal his thoughts <laughs> and so the episode is very tightly structured and it's all around kenneth the page's quest to get to the pharmacy to get tracy's prescription so that he can take the meds in time to be on conan because the last time tracy was on conan he lost it and tried to kill conan so conan will not do it and Unless Tracy is provably sane. (laughs) So the whole thing is this kind of almost like a kind of prison break style thing in order to just get these meds and get That's really funny. Which I, I really like. Okay, cool. Well, I'll give that one a whirl and see how my relationship with 30 Rock develops because at the moment I think my relationship to these programs is like directly corresponds to how many episodes of them I've watched yeah it, it's true isn't it yeah but this is one of the things about the podcast is we do often have to not watch as much of something as we would necessarily like yeah exactly so next time Caroline I would like you to watch the recent Louis Theroux BBC Two specials that have been on. I'm sure you've seen Louis Theroux BBC Two specials in the I past. I have, yes. I mean, you're British, pretty much compulsory, right? It's true. So there have been two more on recently. One was called Drinking to Oblivion, and it was about alcoholism. Quite bleak, as you can imagine. <laughs> and the second is about people who've experienced a sort of traumatic head injury and have, as a result, have, you know, neurological problems. So they're both quite different, but very, very interesting. And it'll give us an excuse to talk about Louis Theroux, which will be fun. Yeah, love Louis Theroux. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and that they should be listening to it too. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.